Hello and welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast, podcast number 29. With me tonight, Mac. Hey, how you guys doing tonight? And of course, Ian. Greetings and salutations. And special guest, Jen, is back again. You. You. Excellent. How's everybody doing? Been better. Yeah, you're not, you're feeling a little puny. <laughs> How about you guys? Doing good, all right. I I dined this afternoon on corned beef and cabbage with my parents. It's very German of you. Uh, it's actually supposed to be for our St. Patrick's Irish, Day. Yeah. We had Irish. to do it a little early because my mom's got some medical procedures coming up. So, what? Well, the Germans like what? What, what is that? The sauerkraut. Sauerkraut. Yeah, which is still cabbage, right? Isn't that just pickled cabbage? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. So how Bavarian of you? How about that? <laughs> Conan the Bavarian. Well, because we know that, you know, corned beef is not Irish. Right. All right. So, I don't know if people have noticed, but our feed's been messed up for the last couple of weeks here, as I have been rebuilding the website because I destroyed it. We can rebuild it faster, so, yeah, so stronger, we, better. So, I redid the template, the theme, and I think it looks pretty good, uh, better than what we had for sure. So I've redone that. I've been re-uploading the podcasts and putting the site back together. I've had a few other technical issues. Um, there's some issues with some of the modules I had installed that I had to resolve. Got all that up and going. So there's now two feeds. There's a feed that has everything in it, which I'm calling the archive feed, and then another feed that just has the last 10 episodes, which is what I'm putting on iTunes and um, probably what the feed that most people have. So if for some reason people wanted the back episodes, the other feed is available, and we'll get that filled out here eventually. Um, but for right now, the, the, the feed that we're going to keep current is the last 10. So there we go. And the archive, the archive ones are being re-released with uh, artwork added to them. Right. That's the, that's the holdup on those, is that we're adding artwork as Mac creates it. Yep. And I've got most of them done. I've just got uh, maybe seven left to go. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, there's only a couple. So we'll get all that, all that back up, and everything will be good again. And then, of course, I know that the levels were bad on last week's recording. Um, we had some low audio, and I tried my best to flush it out, and I knew that it went up and down, and it would, and I tried to normalize it and all of this, and it wasn't great. So we'll try not to let that happen again. We'll, we will try to do better about our recording. And our volume. And our volume. So we're going to try to keep our levels consistent throughout the <laughs> podcast. Yes, and thank you for your support. <laughs> All right, moving on. So I got to go to Skeptic Camp, and you didn't. Nanny, nanny, nanny. Yes, neener, neener, indeed. That's right. So I, uh, my yeah. plans can't, got canceled, and I got to go to Skeptic Camp. What's that, Ian? Well, I heard you participated in the Skeptic Strip Teasing one for the most um, freaky-looking butt wart. Yeah, but that was a pasty, and but they let it slide. Mm, okay. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> Still hurts. So, yeah, so I got to go to Skeptic Camp. And I, uh, I participated in the, uh, I guess, science in the media panel. And I was, so I was on that panel. And I also did my mechanics of astrology, um, presentation that I'm working on. To do again at Skeptic. Right, to do again at Skeptic Camp. You know, my, my intention is, was, you know, to do it in the, um, upcoming Skeptic Camp. But when I told them I was coming, they said, you know, and, and asked them, you know, do you have enough speakers? They said, um, well, we have room on the media panel. I think that they had already wanted me on there. 
And they said, yeah, and we actually have a slot open. So I took that slot and uh, and went up there with one day to prepare. And um, all of our listeners, um, we do have the media panel was posted last week on our site. So you can actually hear his panel on that. Yeah, and once again, the audio is not fantastic on that, but I thought I cleaned it up pretty well compared to what the actual recording sounded like. It was a significant reduction in noise. Yeah, so it was fun. I, 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 the one thing about this Skeptic Camp, the way that they did it, um, the last Skeptic, Skeptic Camp is generally, you either have one room, maybe two. This Skeptic Camp had like five or six rooms, which was kind of unusual. And they gave you 20 minutes of presentation time and 10 minutes to get to your next talk, which was, was plenty. And that way the speakers had enough time to set up and move on. The problem with it was, you could not, you, you couldn't see most of the talks because while you're talking, there's, you know, four talks going on, you know, at, uh, simultaneously. So that was a little, that was a little, um, frustrating because I, I didn't get to get to as many yeah. things as I would have liked. Well, that's the thing. Most will convince them. That's how it goes. You have so much going on at yeah. once. Skeptic camp that we went to last year being as small as it was was kind of nice. But if they're going to grow, and it sounds like Fort Collins has a real good skeptic community up there. So, yeah, you know, actually, yeah. as the stuff gets bigger, it's going to be harder and harder to, you know, keep it small. So I'm not overly surprised that that happened. Yeah. So the first talk that I went to um, was, it's a, it, the description was kind of weird, but it said in the description, geeks come here. So I did as I was told, and I, I went along to his presentation because it said, you know, geeks come here. So I went. Good, ge- good geek. You've been trained well. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, you know, okay, that's where I go. And what it ended up being was he was talking about uh, programming, and he was talking about the issues with programming when you're doing pattern recognition and separate, separating out, you know, different types of patterns. Like, and the, the, what he presented was he, gave, he showed a car and a tank. And he, he went through what the problem is for a computer to look at both of those and distinguish them and what has to happen for a computer to recognize that those are two different patterns. And where this um, became important was when you're looking at um, IBM's new supercomputer, Watson. And what Watson had to do in order to parse the Jeopardy questions to come up with an answer. So that was... Um, it was pretty interesting to to go through the steps of what we need to be done. Of course, in 20 minutes, he didn't dive very deep into that. He just gave us an idea of how the problem is solved and how you get closer and closer to finding that the pattern that you're looking for with the, with the information given. That's interesting because when we see a car versus a tank as humans, we automatically make certain connections and certain get into a certain mindset toward each one of those because of our recognition of the pattern. Well, yeah, we're, I mean, humans we've are. we built that pattern over years. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Well, at, my, at Mile High Con, um, before the Critter Crunch the last few years, they've had a, um, some guy, people come out, I wasn't going to remember the name of the robot they use, but they have a robot that they are programming like that. And they actually go through a little 20-minute um, thing showing how they program him to determine, you know, what things are and stuff like that. And they actually go through and they, they show them, you know, t- giving him instructions and explain, this is a chair. He will scan the chair and be able to recognize chairs, anything that fits that pattern of a chair. And it's actually, um, you know, an interesting little um, thing they do. But, yeah, the last few years at Mile High Con, right before the Critter Crunch, they've been doing that. 
And you can, like I say, you see the process, see them explaining to him, you know, what this is and what to do about it and how to deal with it. And, and they even go to the fact that if you turn the chair, it's not going to recognize it until you explain to it that that's a chair from a different angle. Interesting. Right. Okay. So IBM has done this pretty successfully for the purpose of playing Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they have shown that humanity is nothing compared to the computer, and uh, eventually our robot overloads are coming. Yep. Huzzah. Huzzah. No, actually, there's a huge leap between, <laughs> between you know, Watson and Skynet. Yeah. But everybody, everybody is kind of, they see that, that, you know, how well it did and they get kind of scared. But what that technology is actually going to be very good for is say a doctor can take a list of symptoms and put it into a computer and get back, um, you know, a, a list of, um, of diagnoses that are compatible with the symptoms that they put in. But it's still going to take a human to look at those and, and recognize which ones might apply and which ones might not. That's tailor-made for an episode of House. <laughs> Absolutely, isn't it? Well, it's funny because it um, the other Hepburn, Catherine, she was in a movie where she was a research librarian, and they bring in this supercomputer, and her and her crew are all worried that the computer's going to take their place, and, he's, and finally comes out in the end. No, it's supposed to help you. It's the same thing. 40 years ago, 50 years ago, they were making movies about it. Right, but only now has IBM actually produced it. But so this computer can play Jeopardy. Oh well, yes. A humanity was absent is, the day I'm that sorry, they played Alex, Jeopardy. I can't do that. No, um, no, <laughs> it was not an issue. Uh, Ken Jennings actually. Um, Jen, you read that article, right? That Ken Jennings wrote about Watson. I read the beginning of it, and he talked about how he was kind of like, "Yay, I'm the standing up for humanity." But then, when he actually went to film the episode, he was obviously in hostile territory <laughs> because IBM. All their crew was there cheering on their, their little rope guy. Well, and this was in conjunction with Jeopardy. I mean, ultimately, I mean, for this to work, though, what, what they had to program was pretty amazing. And But it's very um, problem-specific. Yeah. So. Well, and in the long run, what they're really trying to do is bring high talent back to um, IBM, right? Yeah, that's part of what they want to do because, uh, you know, Microsoft and Apple are, you know, they're good at acquiring talent because, you know, they're exciting companies. Yeah, sexy. And IBM, eh, you know, doesn't seem so sexy, but clearly what they're doing is... uh, Fascinating to us geeks. Fascinating to us geeks, (laughs) which is who they need to attract. So... Exactly. They they, they have won. Amen. (laughs) All right. So then I uh, proceeded to the media panel. Which was uh, pretty interesting. I mean, we talked about the issue of science in the media. And were there any good sources? And ultimately, it was funny when that's asked. And if you, it, have you guys listened to that? Nope. 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 Mac, you, you haven't listened to my? I haven't listened to oh, it okay. yet. Anyway, so, I uh, downloaded it today, though. It, it was a resounding no from the panel. <laughs> that You know, there's there's no good sources. Um no main, no good mainstream sources. I mean, there's good, like, you know, science.com and places like that. But, you know, uh, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, none of them really present science well. No. And so we had a discussion as to why that is. And it's it's on there. It's interesting. You know, my big thing is that the perception of science is that it's difficult. And this is a problem because this starts in school. And that and um, Matthew Baxter makes that point that we're taught in school that science is tough. You have to take a class. And they forget that when you're out playing in mud and discovering, mm-hmm. you know, the consistency of it, that you're doing science. People do science all the time. So 
we have a huge problem, particularly in this country, with scientific literateness because I, I think it's because the perception literacy. literacy sorry, thank you, <laughs> literacy, which I'm not clearly, but um, we have a huge problem in that we teach people that science is difficult when really the foundations should be fairly simple. People should be well able to understand. Cause and effect. Cause and effect, the scientific method. You know, for the most part, the, the basics of the scientific method aren't that tough. Proper testing. Right. Right? You know, I started reading that Carl Sagan book that uh, you picked up for me, The uh, Demon Haunted World. Excellent book. And one of the things that he makes in the point in there is that when you're in high school or when you're in grade school and you're doing science, it's really, you really, it's hard to get a teacher that really shows you the joy of science. I remember when I was doing chemistry in high school, we had a fun teacher, and uh, he mixed up a uh, unstable compound and mined the room with it. You know, he's he's putting these spots all over the room of this liquid, and we don't know what he's doing until the liquid dries, and he puts some girl's notes she's been taking on top of it, drops a pencil on it, and her notes turn into a brilliant flower. And suddenly we started to wonder how we were getting out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> He put it on the bottom of one girl's shoe. <laughs> Great teacher. Right. So he w- he found a way to make science fun, and because of that experience, you remember that very specifically. I remember that real well, whereas I don't remember a darn thing from physics class. There you go. Right. I remember the anthropology teacher in college who took us out throwing uh, ladles, who uh, took us on field trips, who had people come in to show us how to chip out stone tools. I remember that real well. Yeah, so, so that was a it was a good discussion. Um, what what really came comes out of it is that we we need more well we need more podcasts talking about science, you know. But my my problem is is that this particular media is not for everybody. And how do we get it to more people if if we're going to make it a more dominant media? I don't think most people listen to podcasts. I I don't know what the demographics look like, but I would suspect that it's what. 20% of computer users, maybe less. Yeah, probably less. Yeah. And those who listen I to podcasts know. are, you know, essentially shut-in maniacs, endlessly, <laughs> ceaselessly sharpening their scythe, waiting for the apocalypse. Except or is for that just me? Yeah, yeah, that's just you. Okay. Yeah, go outside once in a while. You, you know, there's this big ball of light in the, in the sky. We, we call it the sun. I've wondered about that. Yeah. I fear it. <laughs> I bet you do. White. I fear it. Uh, <laughs> although I do go out during the night to, you know, get the Eloy to eat. So, anyway. Yeah. Um, Moving on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was fun. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, uh, I, I enjoyed being part of that panel. Um, and then I went. I met Mark Edwards, who talked about guerrilla skepticism. And, you know, he's... He's certainly not promoting that everybody go out and do what he's doing, but he's certainly been into a lot of uh, um, really aggressive types of... um, Breaking up psychics meetings. Yeah. I mean, what he did to Sylvia Brown, that story is is absolutely fantastic. I'm already kind of skeptical about gorillas anyway. (laughs) So anyway... um, (laughs) Moving on. Yeah, moving on. Mark Edwards, uh, neat guy. Uh, he's a magician. He's a he's a buddy of Penn and Teller's, and you know he knows Randy and all of them. So he's um, actually he's involved in another project that I'm working on. Um, he's part of IIG West, which is the Independent Investigations Group. I'll talk about that a little bit later. So uh, the next panel I went to 
the way that they did is they tried to make it so the panel discussions, there was nothing else going on in the rooms, so they tried to fill up the big room for the panel discussions. The next one was um, religion and skepticism. And the panel was supposed to be a diverse panel, um, you know, atheists, agnostic, and religions. But, you know, you might not think that there is a lot of Christians and religious people um, at these kinds of events, but I know that there was at least four of them that day because they were on the panel and one atheist. Okay. Yeah, and it kind of was it was unfortunate. It kind of devolved into a uh, us-against-you, you know, type of evidentiary look at things instead of a discussion of, you know, how do we get past our differences here so that we can move on to maybe things that are more important? What really matters. Right. It's really a pity that it did, that it devolved like that. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things, though, that, that's bothersome, though, is that a lot of, um, skeptics, they, they feel that if once you, if you follow skepticism to its ultimate end, asking the question, looking for evidence, in the end, you, you, you have to ask questions about everything and, in the in the end, you you end up well. There's no evidence, so you end up atheist. And I think that that's fine. But I also think that that it's okay for people to have their sacred cows. Mm-hmm. Let you know that 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 okay. They they might have this one thing that they don't want to question. But then again, I, I hear the the argument that if you're not willing to question that, what's the next thing that you're not going to be willing to question? You know, what where else can't you go? So it, it's it, it's an interesting discussion. And I think it uh, better off a discussion of sacred cows, things that we have personally that maybe we don't want to question and why that is. So, um, but unfortunately, the thing is, when you start asking skeptics who are Christians or religious in some way what their reasons are, their reasons are as bad, if not worse, than any Christian apologist. And instead of just saying, this is my thing, and I'm okay with it, they also feel that they have to somehow give a reason for it. And when they do that, that gives that gives other skeptics an end to start whittling away at it. And the worst argument that was made up there, that I, and I let it go, I, I really wanted to, to stand up and, <laughs> and address it, but I didn't, was one of the gentlemen, and he says, I, I think that this is the way it is because there's no other answer for it. I don't know how oh, else people came up with this. And so people make the make argument from exclusion. Argument from ignorance, personal incongruity. I can't see any other way that this could have happened. Personal so somebody right. must have told us. So it was the argument from personal incongruity and it it and it just it, it really infuriated me to hear that coming from a skeptic. Such an invalid fallacious argument. I found irritating. Um but I didn't. I also didn't feel that it was worth challenging at that time. I, I didn't feel like that was the proper place for it. I, I I really felt like this was supposed to be. I don't know. Maybe I was wrong. Well, maybe it's, I should it's have. It's a camp. It's a camp for people to learn how to be better students. Right. But in all honesty, um, Brian Walsh uh, uh, addressed it in a much better fashion and tried to give other explanations, as did other people saying, well, you know, look at how creative we are. We could have come up with this stuff. And he, and, he, and what the guy says is, I reject your argument because people aren't creative enough to come up with it. <laughs> it's like, enough to come up it's with like, anything. oh my God. So, so, so they, uh, so they moved him along, you know, let, let's move Wait, along. Let's go. Did, did God create the TV? Um, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful question. <laughs> I don't know who else could have, so it must be God. 
God also created podcasting because who else could have come up with this media? Exactly. Right? I thought God hates podcasts. Well, if... Clearly the devil came up with podcasts. Okay, yeah, uh, okay. Anyway, so I guess, you know, that's... But none of the arguments were any better. They were all fallacious. They were all fallacies. Every single one of them. I I just want these people to say, listen, I, I believe in God, and I want to believe in God. And let's move on to something else because right. I, I don't because there's no other way for me to deal because every time they, they, they give a reason, you can you can you can needle at it. Right. You can you can start to ask questions and, and poke at it. And I sometimes wonder if it's any good because I, I want to deal with the pieces of religion that are damaging, that are harmful. I want to address things like. Um, you know, Catholics and being against birth control and their immoralities there. I want to address things like exorcism. I want to address other things that are hurting people that are preventing us from moving forward. I'm not so much faith concerned. healing. Faith healing. That, that's, of course, a bugger of mine. I'm not so much concerned with the people that are going to church because they like the community, because I understand that. And I think that that is reasonable for them to, you know, want to have that kind of a community gathering and yeah, beyond reasonable it's great right oh, exactly if people want to go to church because they want to go to church that's great well and we're seeing many more people where we're seeing atheist christians atheist catholics that i say I, I just don't i can't believe in god anymore but i still need the this group i still need these people right and that's okay and so i sometimes feel like if we if we're too hard on 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 those people who i don't think are are doing harm and are getting something that they need out of this community that we're really shooting ourselves in the foot. Let's deal with the pieces of it that are bad, that are doing harm, and address those. And let's keep it inside the church and out of politics. You know, let's have our secular society, and you do your religion at home. And so I really would like to see us do that more. Religion, it's just such a sinkhole. You know, it it just seems to me like one where you, you deal with the pieces of it that are harmful, and you leave the rest of it alone. And maybe that's just because I'm being too... Um, well, religion's like an unhealed wound for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, you you poke at it and you get a really bad reaction. <laughs> so, yeah. So anyway, um, the next thing that I did was I did my presentation, which was the mechanics of astrology. And I, I need to... I, I made a critical mistake here, assuming that everybody had a kind of a basic understanding of astrology. And I was wrong because some of the people that came to my talk didn't understand, didn't know anything about astrology. So I, I'm going to, and I thought, well, I'm doing the mechanics of astrology, but they also understood that what I was trying to present was too vast to do in 20 minutes. So I got a good response for it. Um, I just have to make some changes for the next Skeptic Camp. So, and then I'm sure I did something else. Oh, oh Reed was, uh, was going through, um, um, his talk was on um, basically the reasons that people say I don't know. And he went through the good reasons that people say I don't know and the bad reasons that I, people say I don't know. <laughs> and so sometimes where, where maybe people just don't want to address something, they'll just say I, I don't know and, and try and weasel out of it. Whereas other times where skeptics will say when they really can't explain something and they need to investigate further maybe or it's not explained, we'll just say, you know, I don't know right now and move on. Um, so he went through the different reasons that uh, people might um, – might say no whether and from from the spectrum of good all the way to where it's harmful and so that was fun to go through his his presentation i i think we didn't have enough time to get through it all i think it got cut off so 
Anyway, it was a good day. Had a lot of fun. No, the rest good. of us. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. See, so, the, I mean, man. See, I, I'm just talking away. Talk, talk, talk. Okay, so. <laughs> hey, you were having a good time. I was. I had a, I had a very good time. Now, um, the IIG is the Independent Investigations Group, and you guys came with me to that meeting. What would you think? I had potential. I, I, I'm waiting to see what you guys come up with to get it started, but uh, um, the idea is definitely worth being part of. I enjoyed the meeting. I liked the people who did the presentation. Um, it was intriguing. I, you know, the technical problems were kind of uh, kind of hurtful, but you know, I think they did manage to get their point across, and they did. They made a good presentation despite having problems with that laptop. So, so five of us have agreed to be on the initial um, committee to basically put together the first meeting to put together the steering committee. So we're putting together the a meeting for the people who will put together. The meeting. <laughs> you should explain a little more about what IAG. Yeah, I, so IAG is the Independent Investigations Group, and what they are doing is um, they do a couple of things. One, they, they do investigations where maybe somebody can't explain something going on in their house that might be scaring them. Um, there was a lady who every morning would uh, would come into her kitchen and find a puddle of green stuff. And her friends and family told her that it was aliens or ghosts or spirits and that she needed to get out of that house. So she called AIAG. They came in, did an investigation. And what they found out was um, they had a refrigerator, uh, or uh, uh, not just a refrigerator uh, repairman, but, you know, an appliance repairman. And what they determined was happening was at night, for some reason, um, the compressor would start to leak and it would leak antifreeze. And there was a depression in the floor, so it would pool in the center of the floor. And by morning, the trail had dried up. So you just had a little bit in the bottom of the depression. Right. right. So that's so you just stayed in the depression. <laughs> and this so nothing supernatural <laughs> or alien to it. No, no, exactly. So very, very logical explanation. So they'll do those types of investigations. The other thing that they'll do is they do have a fifty thousand dollar challenge for anybody who can present themselves as, as having supernatural powers. So they can, you know, um, they have tested people for different things. They had a woman who claimed that she could tell if somebody had had a kidney removed. So they did a preliminary test with her, and uh, she did not pass that preliminary test. So they, so, so what they did is they, they, they got with her, decided which of her many powers they were going to test, decided on a protocol, and decided on what the outcome of the protocol had to be. And for her to be successful, she had to guess 100% of the time. She had to be 100% right. So because she had because to be... Because that was her claim. Because that was she her claim. She could do it 100% of the time. Right. Um, that was her agreement, that she could do it 100% of the time. Right. It wouldn't... And that if she if she were not able to do it 100% of the time, that it would not be it would not be a success. That was her agreement. Right. Right. And she was able to do one, and she failed the other two. So they, they did three tests. She ultimately failed that that test and basically they said someone in the studio audience did just as well as her and someone online who was doing the test did just as well as her right so so you know if the probability of someone randomly getting those results right and they only did three tests and it was a preliminary had she passed she wouldn't have gotten the fifty thousand dollars they would have gone on and done a more scientifically rigorous test to try and flush out um chance and make sure it was but no statistically one accurate. Has passed the preliminaries. No, nobody's uh, not for Randy's hundred uh, million dollar challenge or for the fifty thousand dollar challenge. Nobody, nobody's ever been able to, you know, come up and say this is what I can do. This is how often I can do it, and 
which has to be better than chance. Right, and no one's ever been able to beat chance. Right. In fact, one of the guys they were talking about that they investigated, actually the audience scored higher by pure chance than he did with his powers. Of course, he showed up drunk, what they said. Uh, Yeah, oh, that that one, yeah. They kind of... Yeah, he was... uh, I think they said that he was so drunk they were surprised he was actually upright. Right. So... Yeah, so I think that they learned something from that, though. That they will build that into the protocol that you know you must show up sober probably next time. Um, so they've done some of these challenges. Let's see. So. You know, um, I watched a I watched a movie called Super High Me, where this guy, this comedian who's famed for his um, famed for his coming up on stage and doing jokes about pot, he basically set up so that he would do thirty days completely straight. And then do 30 days high all the time. And one of the tests that he did while he was straight and while he was high was he did a psychic test. And he completely muffed the test while he was straight. But when he was high, he scored a interestingly high average on the test. So, you know, it's reasonable to say that in a drunk state, your mind might be relaxed and more susceptible to more susceptible to uh, psychic impressions. Yeah. Well, the stuff like um, the roadside tests they do for drunk drivers, you could be completely drunk and um, be able to pass them, yet be sober and not. So, you know, there, there's certain things about, you know, how the mind works drunk and not and sober that get can be a bit off anyways. Yeah. So. Yep. All right. You guys ready to move on and talk about anti-vaccination? Let's get to the real podcast? Yeah, let's get to the real podcast. I mean, uh, yeah. So. And... Straight from Brian Productions, it's the Anti-Vaccination Show. Yay! <laughs> we've got one thing to do before that, apparently. No, uh, yes. let's skip it. Let's skip it. Okay. Because this this next part is, is uh, I, I'm going to drone on about this, too. So. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. So one of the things that they um, we talked about on that panel was Bill Gates coming out and saying that um, she's, he targeted, he said, mothers who didn't vaccinate their children. Um, and died because it, you know, because they didn't get the vaccinations that they need. Killed their children. That they're killing children. And that's and, not exactly how he said it. That's not exactly. They, yeah. Well, that's how it's being taken, especially from the anti-vax community. And really, it's more manslaughter. They didn't mean to kill their kids. We completely flip it about it, right? So, yeah. uh, I, I was gonna, I was gonna play that portion of it. But basically, what what he said was that you know he talked about the importance of vaccinations and that. If you don't get your kids vaccinated and they get one of these diseases and die, that they died from a, per, a preventable disease. Yep. And this is the real problem with you know the with these anti-vaccination movements. And all, none of the people in these movements want to be seen as anti-vax. They go to great lengths to show themselves as just being um, about vaccine safety until you actually start to read their sites. And in Australia, Meryl Dory's site, um, the Australian Vaccination Network, they finally told her, you need to put on your site that you're anti-vaccination. Because everything on her site is about the dangers of vaccination. No fair and balanced. It's just an anti-vax site. And right. so when I heard about the, what Bill Gates had said, and I went and listened to it, I was more interested in what, what these other networks were saying. Who, who's, who's talking about um, the vaccination? So I, I went to I went to well, actually I went to three. Um, Generation Rescue didn't even address it that I saw on their on their site. I didn't see anything. Um, this one is from Autism Key. 
and they go through and 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 they address it, and they weren't. I, I, well, I was, they didn't really like the use of the term anti-vaccine right. to characterize themselves. Right. But you know, here sit they're saying here most responsible anti-vaccine people are not running around discouraging parents from vaccinating their children. Well. That seems to be to be kind of uh, disingenuous. I think it is too. Because I, I mean, think that's exactly what. Because that is a, that what discouraging parents from vaccinating their children is exactly what Jenny McCarthy's all about. I know this right. is not her, but are, are they disavowing her behavior? Are they breaking with her in this no, in this article? They're, they're not. When you go through this article and you listen to what they're saying, ultimately in the end, um, they don't like the language that he used. And they said, but you know, don't expect any any apologies from Bill Gates. Um, and then they and then they make claim that you know that he's suspected of having Asperger's syndrome. Okay, which, which so if Asperger's. he's if he's suspected of having an autism spectrum disorder, then he should be he should be a very good spokesman to say that vaccines are not a factor in this. Well, but he's but ultimately he's not. Whether he has whether he has autism spectrum disorder or not is really irrelevant to whether or not vaccines cause autism. And yes, it is. he is a very smart man and I I have to believe that he's read most of the research and he understands most of the research what what he's yeah. read. Um and, well, I love I, what I'm making a point of here, though, is they're saying that because he's suspected to have Asperger's syndrome, which is an autism spectrum disorder, he can't be objective about this. Well, that's exactly that what they're to, saying. That would seem to throw him down on the side of the anti-vaccinators instead of right. Well, well that's the thing. By that logic, Jenny McCarthy can't be seen as being subjective about it because she's siding the other way because her son has autism. Right. So anyone right. who's associated with autism in any way, shape, or form can't be subjective and objective. You know, Weak, weak argument. Yeah, ob- objective. Yeah. Well, and they, they seem to imply here also that he's getting money from the vaccine movement when, in fact, he's donating to get vaccines. <laughs> well, to yeah, well, no, they say, you know, the, I mean, he's got he's got $10 million in, in, you know, in the vaccine movement. Well, yeah, he does because he has a mission to eradicate polio from the world. Can you yeah, believe this guy? Invested. Can you believe this guy? He wants to yeah. eradicate something? Well, what is he up on yeah, his high horse about? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's not invested. It's donated into it. He's not planning on making any money back from it. Well, he has a vested interest in helping out the whole world. The whole world. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he does. He wa- he. Bill Gates wants to do something with his life. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation does great work. I mean, nobody would, would be, would, would dare deny that. I mean, they give plenty of money, you know, for malaria research. Um, and, and they want to eliminate polio from, and which they can do. One of the reasons he's chosen polio is because it's obtainable. It was almost done, but the anti-vaccine movement ruined that. I really do think that they have a lot of responsibility for the fact that polio is still around because it's, it's these scare taxes that they've used about vaccines that well not only is polio still around but smallpox is making a comeback in some parts of the world i haven't heard smallpox i have heard that polio is making huge comebacks i haven't heard smallpox okay and i may be i may be i i heard it but i don't know how trustworthy my sources i hope you're wrong but like we've had (laughs) whooping cough make a big comeback recently yes uh pertussis has come back yeah, we've had a few of these that you know we thought we could probably get rid of that due to the anti-vaccination crowd 
have been, you know, making a comeback here well, in the United States as well as worldwide. I'm pretty sure it was Africa. In places of Africa, you know, they have a it's 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 an oral vaccine. You go get a couple drops, and yeah. men men especially were going and getting their their first um, vaccination. But you've got to get it twice. But they weren't going back for their second round because they were being told that what they were really trying to do was make men impotent, and that if they got and if they got these vaccines, that they would become impotent. And that's and so well, I I mean, can you imagine somebody tells you this, and you might not have the resources to go and look to see if that's true or not? What are you gonna do? It's I'm not getting that vaccine. <laughs> You know, so it's the, and, and I, and that, that wasn't the, you know, the vaccination network. That was, you know, other misconceptions, but still it was ignorance of the science. Yeah. So which, which, uh, and then the next one. So this one was pretty mild as far as a rebuttal to Bill Gates. The next one is, is the one I was really looking for. Oh, yeah. And this one. They want people to, they yeah. want people to basically, uh, denial of service attack Microsoft. Right. Fill up the emails, email boxes with emails asking for a clarification and an apology. Right. And so this is from Age of Autism. And this is so I expected Age of Autism and I, and I also had expected um, Generation Rescue to, to come out and just be like over the top with the rebuttal. And, and I almost got, I was hoping for a little bit more, but Age of Autism really got very close and, you know, they go through and they, they attack him. Um, and one of the things that the, I, the, it's the, the first part of this that really got me was that they said that Bill Gates was, was attacking people who were concerned about vaccine safety. Nobody is talking about vaccine safety. Everybody is concerned with vaccine safety, even Bill Gates. Everybody wants these vaccines to be perfectly safe, and we want them to be researched. Nobody is saying stop testing vaccines for safety. What we are saying is we've looked for a link between autism and vaccines, and we can't find it. It isn't there. We need to move on, and we need to continue doing safety trials but maybe we can put more money into looking at safety as opposed to looking for a connection between autism and vaccines. That's the piece that that needs to be eliminated. And maybe it doesn't need to be eliminated. I mean, maybe maybe there is still something there that needs to be looked at. But nobody's saying stop looking. But we are saying, look, these things have been tested. They're, they've been found safe. Yes, there are some issues with them. They're not perfect. And we know that a very, very small percentage of people are going to be harmed by vaccine. That's why we have a vaccine court to deal with those cases. And they deal with those on a case-by-case basis. So we are concerned about vaccine safety, but we're not concerned that vaccines are causing autism anymore. It's done. It's over. It almost seems as if they... Go ahead. It almost seems as if they don't have anything else to talk about, so they have to keep on pounding on this vaccine autism link. That doesn't exist. They're, that there's no proof of. Well, they're desperate for a reason. And yeah. and, and on one side of me, I, I understand that they'd like to know why this happened to their child. Yeah. But if they can't get past the fact that we've done the safety trials and we and these vaccines aren't causing autism, if they can't get past that, then they can't continue looking elsewhere. They they you get blinded. And so these people have got to take the blinders off and, and continue looking for, for other causes. 
Now, one of the other arguments I, um, I've seen, I think one of these articles had it that I've always found interesting, is they talk about the weakened immune systems of ba the babies and then the infants that are getting them. And saying, oh, well, if you give vaccines to them, that's going to mess up their immune system. But what they're ignoring no, is the fact that... Strengthen. Well, they're also ignoring the fact that the infants at that age are the ones who are more likely going to die if they catch the disease that these vaccinations prevent. You know, you if you eat a handful of dirt, you will work your immune system much harder than getting every vaccine in the schedule all at once. Right. That you, your body is encountering many, many more things it has to fight off every day yeah. than, than what we're putting into it with a few vaccines. And like I said, the infants are at the higher death rate if they catch things. So it's like, oh, get yeah. them young, get them when you can to make sure that your kid's not going to die. Because you know, if, if your two-year-old gets one of these things, your two-year-old's more likely going to die than if the, the kid got it when they're five. And they're definitely more likely going to die than if they got it vaccinated against it. Right. And you know what? Kids have a fairly robust um, immune system, and it's building at that time. So let's help it yeah. build. Let's give it the tools that it needs to keep it healthy. Our, our, our immune systems can handle... A very large, you know, um, amount of stuff being thrown at it all at once. So work it. That's that's the only way to boost the immune system, is to work it with these kinds of with these kinds of things for it to you know to be looking at and to create antibodies for. So, so from there though, I did I made it to. Um, of course, I looked uh, after um, I read this on Age of Autism. I went to uh, Generation Rescue because I thought they have got to have a rebuttal to this, right? But I didn't find. A rebuttal to it. But what I did find that was interesting, as I started reading their site, um, I found a link to Andrew Wakefield's original um, uh, original paper in the Lancet, and I thought, well, now this is interesting. So, and I wasn't sure that it for sure that it, you know it was on their site, so I wasn't sure was it the original one. <laughs> I, I I didn't know, and I then I found it on Brian Deer's site. So it is the original paper, and the reason that that um, I read it, I and mean, one I should read it anyway, right? But one of the things, the claims that they said is Andrew Wakefield says in the paper that they did not find a link between autism and um, his gut disease. Uh, is it leaky gut or whatever? I mean, he right. he, he talks about yeah, um, you know, gut issues. And so I I read the paper and he sure enough, yes, he does say that in the paper that they didn't find a link. But reading the paper was pretty interesting. Um, it was a, a collection of 12 children. Now, as I was going through this, I, I was thinking, well, there's quite a few of these kids that you can eliminate for one reason or another. One, you've got um, 11 boys and one girl. Well, now you, you don't have a significant um, popula or a significant portion of, of girls here to really impact the study. So, Well, there is, guess, um, autism is more common among boys than girls. Okay. So if they're studying autism itself, you're going to probably have a larger um, amount of boys compared to girls just because of that factor. Okay. So but 12 is not a high level of a population sample anyway. Yeah, exactly. Particularly so, to make yeah. an inference like that. It's not statistically significant anyway. And one of the kids um, didn't get the vaccine. One of them had gotten, um, uh, gotten measles. measles. And, measles. Right. And then another one was already being watched um, for um, because they suspected that he might have some sort of a disorder. So he was being watched from a young age anyway. So, I mean, so it seems like, you know, he doesn't belong in the study. Um, but one thing I noticed is that it's a small study and it seems very self-selecting. Every 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 kid that was in here 
um, the mothers had this, had made a connection. Now, the, the parents had made a connection between them getting the MMR vaccine and seeing these symptoms, according to Wakefield's paper. We know now that from, from Brian Deere's research that that probably isn't the case. But just from his paper... You see that the, the people, the children in the study were mothers that had identified the symptoms after getting the MMR vaccine. So every child that, that he selected for the study had been identified for the parent as having this connection already. So, you know, it's like, well, okay. I mean, so it's not a random sample by any stretch of the imagination. Right. Brian, you had asked me about the, you would ask me about the spelling in Wakefield's paper. Yeah. The spelling is British. Oh, it is. Okay, so that's like, why. There's okay. a consistent. There's a consistent change in the spelling in the word behavior. Mm-hmm. There is a consistent spe- spelling changes in some other words. That's actually the British spelling of the okay. words. Okay, great. I'm, I, I, that's one of the reasons I asked you to look at that. Damn those Brits! Don't uh. they know how to use the English language? <laughs> well, you know they all talk funny with accent anyway. <laughs> Aluminium morons. <laughs> <laughs> I just pissed somebody off. <laughs> uh, they're wrong on that one, by the way. It is aluminum, no matter what they say. Okay, so, but he continually makes makes reference to these, every one of these kids had some sort of um, bowel distress. They gave them a colonoscopy, and they, and so every one of them had, had a um, had disease in the colon and stuff like that. And, you know, you go through it, and he's continually putting the link together and suggesting it throughout the paper constantly. You know, oh, they had, you know, these symptoms and this. But one of the interesting things I found about the paper was that he made the claim that if you got the toxins and stuff out of the colon and gut, that the symptoms got better. So now I know where all of these crazy diets that that autistic mothers are putting their parents are on came from. It, it, it's, it's putting their parents. Um, yeah, putting their parents on that they they put their kids <laughs> on. Sorry about that. That these diets that they because he makes reference to you know gluten and stuff like that in in the paper, um, and so that's why you see all these gluten free diets and detoxing diets and stuff like that. And this is the stuff that Jenny McCarthy had used that she says cured her son's autism. So that was pretty interesting. Um, so now I know where that came from. So, Well, my understanding is also that her son was also put through some intensive behavior therapy as well. Uh, I think that so, they've done a lot of things. And this is one of those things where you throw the kitchen sink at it, and if you see any recovery, you you'd attribute it to something. Mm-hmm. Right. It is what it kind of sounds like to me. So she's going with what her mommy sense says. (laughs) Exactly, her mommy sense. She doesn't need science. Her science is at home, and she learned from Dr. Google. There's a dangerous combination right there. So as I was going through the paper, it occurred to me, do all autistic children have diarrhea and abdominal pain? Um, so, I, in fact, I don't have this link in here yet um, in, in the show notes. Sorry about that, guys. I'll, I'll get it in there um, when we put it up. So I, I, I did um, I did a check for that because I thought, is, is this consistent across the board? Because if you're going to connect it with autism, I almost think that it would have to be. Um, it isn't the case. There is a significant amount of um, diarrhea and abdominal pain in autistic children, um, but it's not all of them. So, But it's a, statistic, it, it's a statistically high number. But not all autistics have this problem. And I have a study that um, uh, I, it was a panel of like 27 doctors who went through this and uh, to put it together. So to make the claim 
that it's a gut disease that's causing autism. Um, seems extraordinary to me. Anyway, because not all autistics have this symptom. So it would seem to me that you would have to look at autistics who didn't have these symptoms to see if they still had um, this same colon diseases and maybe just didn't have the symptoms to make that connection, which Andrew Wakefield did not do. He, he didn't live out of the uh, One of the questions I have about Wakefield's study, though, is what about the uh, kid who didn't have the vaccine but had the measles? Is that just not statistically significant to him? Well, yeah. So does measles cause autism? It would seem like it would seem like either way, if it if you're looking at that, that whether the kid got measles or whether he got the vaccination, that they might get autism. Well, and there've been a lot of pe- there've been a lot of kids who've gotten measles and don't show autistic symptoms. Exactly. So, so so measles doesn't cause autism, right? And we and we know now that he had a financial reason for doing a lot of this. So, I mean, there's there's a lot more to go through here, but ultimately, Andrew Wakefield's paper, if you read it isn't very strong at all. I mean it was no. it was it was not impressive. It's it's pretty much pointing at the conclusion and not really looking at the evidence. It's trying well, to make the evidence fit the conclusion. Exactly, make the evidence fit the conclusion and then deny the conclusion in the paper saying, "Hey, well listen, we didn't find this." Which should be the end of the story, right? Well, no. Because I also found the press release from the Royal Free Hospital School of Medicine. And in here and the Andrew Wakefield clearly says that there is a connection between autism and gut disease in the press yep. release. So he says it everywhere but in the actual study. So it gets overlooked in the study that he didn't make the connection because he says it everywhere else that he made this connection. So everybody says, hey, Andrew Wakefield did this, did this study and found a connection between gut disease and autism, which he did not do according to his own words until you get to the press release. Right. So it was interesting for me. Maybe he's to, just trying to blame it all on John Walker Smith. It was interesting for me to make all start to make some of these connections of where all of this is coming from and how convoluted it is and how difficult it is to, to connect all the dots. You and I didn't go through everything on um, the age of not age of autism, but on Generation Rescue because they um, one of the things I was interested in is that there's a paper on there. Um, that claims that people who get the um, hepatitis B vaccine have a higher incidence of autism. So, and that, and they have the, um, I, what is it, the abstract from that study on their site. And so that'll be interesting to look through and to start to go through and pick apart what they're, um, you know, what they're talking about. But, man, you have to go back and forth. you got to go find a credible reference that talks about this stuff and then go back to Gener- Generation Rescue. And Generation Rescue was founded by a father who whose um, child was injured by vaccines and, and got money from the vaccine court. But her case is being um, misinterpreted and, and abused in a way that um, – that makes it look like the government is claiming that you know the vaccine did cause autism, but they never make that claim. When you look when you look at what the findings were, you actually find that she had a pre-existing neurological condition that was aggravated by the vaccines, and so she was injured by the vaccine. She's one of the statistically small number of people who did have a reaction, and the court paid her for that. But then they go and they start this site and they abuse that they abuse that information for Generation Rescue. And Generation Rescue is the one that Jenny McCarthy is associated That's with. That's Jenny right? McCarthy, yes. So now when you go through the when you go through the CDC's protocols for vetting vaccines and their safety, 
with the respect to how they how they first warn people about vaccines and how they handle possible vaccine injuries afterwards. It's extremely thorough. Yes, it is. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, and thank yeah. you for including that link in there. Yeah, because I read through that and the even the process of testing a vaccine seems to be exhaustive to me. Well, it is exhaustive. So you're talking about vaccine safety, and and I didn't want and I wanted to include that article on here as a reference point, but I didn't want to go through it piece by piece. Um, but um, it, but it does take over ten years to actually put a vaccine out in wide release. At, after it's being tested. Right. And then they talk about the studies that they continue to do on it, looking for possible problems afterwards, because they admit that in their, in their samples for these 10 years, that they don't catch everything. And so when they put it out into the population, they continue to look for problems because they might, there might be something that has to be changed when they put it into the larger population that, that we might see a significant problem in that, in the larger population. It, it's amazing the, the rigor that they go through for this because of the, Issues that vaccines have, have had in the past, they have done a lot of harm. And so they're watched incredibly closely now. What was that uh, child's pre-existing neurological condition? Do you, you have know, that information? I don't available? have that information. That was one of the things I wanted to include. If you go over um, to uh, science-based medicine. mitochondrial. A mitochondrial DNA issue? Yeah. Or, okay. Okay. If you, if you can look that up over at um, uh, science-based medicine blog. Uh, okay. If you go over there, you'll be able to find quite a bit on that particular uh, particular issue. So uh, I also have a link um, to some more um, to Brian Deere's response to Wakefield because they're they're slandering Brian Deere as if he's looking for the money. They want to know who's paying Brian Deere. Well, he's an independent journalist. He gets paid when he puts an article together, you know. But they want to claim they'd really like to show a connection between him and Big Pharma. And his uh, his response was actually pretty classy. It was, yeah. So we've got that. You know, that is in our show notes too, and people can take a look at that. And can we move on now? Can we talk about breast milk, please? <laughs> we can talk uh, about breast milk. Talk about boobies. Yeah. I so, do want to. I do want to make one point though. You said mitochondrial. I'm pretty sure that word is pronounced midichlorian. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on to breasts. All right. Let's move one on to breasts. We definitely all really enjoy talking about. So. In the UK recently, a restaurant, I guess, started serving ice cream made from breast milk. Well, it's... Well, now, bit... specify, specify, Ian. It's all breast milk. Yes. But human, this was made with human, human breast, human milk. breast milk. Yes. Okay. Hu- made with human breast milk. Yeah, this is... And they were actually serving this ice cream. It was called, uh, marketed as Baby Gaga. Yes. And, um, apparently a couple complaints showed up, and so the, um health officials had to go in and stop the selling of it until they did some testing. And I, I did, it, I've always found it interesting that we have these issues about breast milk, human breast milk, because, you know, we have the cow, goat, all, all these other milks that we drink. We have honey, which is, to me, the same kind of thing. It is a product made by animals naturally. We have eggs, which are could even be viewed as almost a more disturbing thing. You know, we well, have yeah, because it's food the end result of the eat. period. Yeah, we have all this food stuff we eat that is byproducts of animals, and yet for some reason when it comes to human breast milk, we all stand back and go, ew, how nasty. It's like... <laughs> okay, okay, but okay, so I, I understand what you're saying there, but let's stick to this particular issue because this one is, right. is actually much more fascinating than that because this has, I mean, yeah, it has less, I mean, this was popular. I mean, people were buying it, right? No, well, they, they said, said they, they sold, sold out. out right, okay. But this sold is, out immediately. Yeah. But this comes down to a safety issue. 
Right. This had to be taken off the market because it was not properly vetted for safety. I don't care if they're if there's if they're selling well, ice cream at a Brisbane. Who the ice creamist said screen. that they had it screened under the same standards that they use for um, donating to milk breast. Uh, well, yeah. Okay, but, and and I have thanks. an issue with with the way that these um, breast milk banks are are screening because they're because I don't think that they're screening properly for hepatitis. No. And you did make that clear in one of the other articles here too. But but I read through this, right? And so my so I wanted to know. I had I had some basic questions. I started with two questions and I and I put them in the document. Um and they're gone now. No, they're not. No, they are. They're gone. My questions are gone. Did I erase them? Anyway, I didn't. I wanted to know um can hepatitis be found in breast milk? And can it be killed in pasteurization? And so I, I found that um, I, I found that hepatitis A can be found in breast milk. And but for a mother breastfeeding, it's not considered serious. It's really just kind of makes you feel ill for a little while. It's not a big deal. Hepatitis B, which can be found in breast milk, but hasn't been shown to be transferred to the baby um, through breast milk, but yet we have a vaccine for it. And so, and so that's not a problem if you're breastfeeding. Um, hepatitis C isn't, but I said, but I found something that said that you shouldn't breastfeed if you had hepatitis C. But it might have been for other reasons. If you have cracked nipples, cracked nipples, nipples right. or bleeding nipples, right. because all of these transmit a lot more effectively through the blood than they do through milk. Right. And so D, um, hepatitis D is similar to A, but a little bit more serious. And hepatitis E is similar to B. And you actually have to ha already have a hepatitis B infection to get a hepatitis E infection, which I thought was interesting. So, but my question still remained, can it be trans or can it be killed in pasteurization? I did finally find a study um, that said um, that even after pasteurization, hepatitis can still be passed through in the in the breast. Right. Milk. They still found they still found hepatitis markers even after a past even after the pasteurization process. So there is still some of it in there. Right. So now going back to our original article, did they or did they not find hepatitis in the milk? Or are they just saying that it's a possible virus that could be passed? They said it's a possible virus that can be passed. They didn't actually say that they found it in the ice cream. Okay. Right. So, But they said it was a concern. Right. But one of the things that the study found is that they don't always screen for hepatitis at these milk banks. So, Correct. So if that is the case, then they're, if they use the same screening to the, at, the, at the milk bank that they use to make their ice cream, there is a potential of passing along hepatitis um, A or C. Well, well they said actually, they went what? with the line of blood donor requirements. Right. That's what I was about to say. Uh, th that's what they say. The oh, blood donor, blood donor so requirements? that I would think probably be more likely to catch something. I would. Like I would okay. Perhaps that's the case. Yeah. So they weren't being ignorant of okay. possibilities. I mean, they were obviously taking reasonable um, right. steps they, they, they to, to ensure their safety. Safe. All right. Well, I want to yeah. mention, kind of in passing, that many years ago I thought it would be a really funny Saturday Night Live skit if there was like a woman and she's got kids and she wants to do some sort of home work from home business and that the <laughs> lady who comes to a recruiter wants to make cheese out of breast milk. And I'd had this whole skit in uh, my yeah, head. Yeah, she did. That's true. <laughs> That's true. She did. So I thought that was pretty funny that they were making ice cream. Life yeah. imitates yeah. art. It does. Yeah. So anyway, so I, I did. So perhaps their screening methods were good enough 
it, right. This article but really doesn't say it. You there, know. There's a legitimate concern. I agree. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if they deal with that, the, the idea of selling it, you know, it'll be interesting to see how many people really have that big of an issue with it. Because <laughs> I'd try it. True, I think why it'd not? be interesting to see what it actually yeah, tastes Brian's like. Brian's had plenty of breast milk. I've had breast milk. Breast milk, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no problem. <laughs> yeah. But you haven't had breast milk ice cream yet. Oh, that, that's now, true. here is the point that I want to make. All right. Um, based upon the other article you put in there about milk microbes, Oh yeah, hepatitis is actually not that large a concern compared no. to <laughs> no, it's the average the average cow's milk. No, no, no. You know what? These people, and it's kind of a fad. You know, you hear the you know raw milk advocates. They are nuts. They are totally yeah. insane. Yeah. They have no idea what they are getting into. Raw milk is one of the most scary things on the planet. Definitely. Now. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I might be wrong, but the pasteurization process really just involves leaving the cows out in the field, right? <laughs> uh, you're, fortunately, you are wrong. Way okay, wrong. I'm wrong then. <laughs> yeah, I is. hereby task you with reading a book on Louis Pasteur. He was actually very interesting. Go good wine. Yay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, but uh, some of the viruses here that are not killed, some of the viruses and microbes that are not killed by pasteurization, is just makes me cringe. So, <laughs> yeah, I kind of got, uh, I kind of went down a very scary path with this article, didn't I? You did. Yeah. Uh, but yes, I, I mean, I got onto it and I just started, you know, I kept going, you know, and, uh, I was scared by the end. So, yeah. So I hope that even our commercial, you know, cow's milk is is being properly tested before it gets to us. But they did assure us that mad cow disease has never been found in milk. Right, right. I mean, and we can late some other time we should talk about, you know, the issue with the hormones in milk and what that's doing to us because, you know, that's bad too. Well, you've you've made me swear off breastfeeding. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Good. Uh, at least it did I'm something. I'm sure your mother is actually quite pleased with that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we can skip pop off and bankruptcy if you want to talk about the countdown. We're going. We're we're starting to. I don't know how long we've actually been going. We're going a bit longer. We've, yeah, we can move those to the next document. Yeah, pop off. Who cares about pop off, crook? <laughs> Let's talk about other crooks. Uh, so the, so I found this site. Countdown to uh, morningmayan.com. Countdown to December twenty first, two thousand twelve. If you guys want a good laugh. Start watching some of her videos, and <laughs> no, she made me angry. I it wasn't. I, I met her just so ridiculous <laughs> that I was laughing. But her name is uh, Linda West, and she's apparently re- written a few books and does a um uh da, da, what's it called a a new a lecture series where she t- talks about all her laws of frequency attunement. Yeah. Apparently, everything that we deal with has to do with the frequencies being lined up and attuned and all this other stuff. Yak, and yak, yak. She references the, whole... the secret. I saw that. Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny, actually. If you already know about the secret and this other thing, then obviously you're stupid enough to fall for my thing, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what, though? She mentioned a guy named Gary Brandon. And Braden. Gary Braden. And Braden. so, Braden, Braden, sorry, yes, Gary Braden. Greg. Greg Braden. Not it must Gary. be getting late. Oh, man, <laughs> I, you listened this last week, has been absolutely terrible, I'm exhausted. Um, This guy is one of the main culprits of the 2012 
Mm, can I call it a delusion? Can I call it the 2012 Go delusion? Go for it. Yeah, thanks. That okay. works. Um, he, I'm so fine with that. He's one of the main culprits. He's into a lot of pseudoscience, and she references him several times in his work. And I, I find it funny. I found an article that talked about this guy on, of all forums, King of Bullshit, David Icke, on David Icke's forum, that was that was trashing Greg Braden. I thought, it, now, now, I mean, here's pot meat kettle, right? And on this forum, somebody who talks about this forum goes through and just and just talks about all the pseudosciences that he goes through and how he's anti-science and everything. And I'm thinking, you're doing this on David Icke's, you know, forum? So, <laughs> so it's a strange place to find it. I found a couple of other things um, talking about him and, and, of course, his website, which is just, you know, you have to be in the right mood to spend a lot of time researching these guys because it, it, it's just dribble. Oh, yeah. Well, just look at the site itself, stuff like um, Linda West's ultimate power shows in a clear and simple way how frequency are light waves that form us as humans. She teaches how to choose high frequencies to create our reality. I can't figure out how the hell anyone could take that seriously. I don't know. She's not an ugly lady, I, so you know, I don't no. mind watching the videos. Yeah, at least he's worth you know physically watching. <laughs> so you could just shut her yap. Well, no, you just moment. turn the sound down. <laughs> Play something else. So is the gist of her site telling us that, you know, the world is going to end December 21st, 2012? Or is it just some sort of a realignment and, you know, the dawning of the age of Aquarius? I don't know. It's, it's well, really Well, she says, countdown. is it the Ooh, end? Wait a is minute, it a wait a restart? Minute. In the clouds above that Mayan temple, I see the face of the Mona Lisa. Really? That's I see funny. clouds. Yep. I, I see a big I'm exercising, nose. I'm exercising. I see the big nose. I see the big nose. Yeah, I see the big nose up there. About you and I are on the same frequency. Yes, dear. we're on the same frequency. Eight point <laughs> six hertz, by the way. <laughs> Your frequencies. Well, yeah, because well, we got our power balance bracelets tuned mm -hmm. so that um, so that it would adjust our frequency so that we would always be on the same frequency. So our, our power balance bracelets are slightly different. We have slightly different frequencies. Mine was two point six because I was further off. Hers is one point eight. She was closer to the proper frequency. I was the one that was off, and so my power balance bracelet is slightly stronger to compensate. Okay. So now we're on the same frequency. <laughs> okay. That's that's a step above synchronizing your wristwatches. Absolutely it is. You know what? I'll tell you what. There is some problems with being on the same frequency. You know, there's that time of the month. <laughs> it's <laughs> terrible. In that time of the year. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Moving on, moving on. What else we got here? Oh, Huckabee. Yeah, this was, this just, this one to me, I just wanted to point out, this is all about a man creating an issue so he's got a platform. And he's got a platform to say stuff off of. Right. But essentially what Huckabee did here was he criticized Natalie Portman as being a bad example for women as an unwed mother. Okay. And we heard the same thing about 15 years ago over the show Murphy Brown. Yeah, Murphy Brown's a bad example. Wasn't that, that was Dan Quayle, right? Yeah. Wasn't that Dan, Dan Quayle? Quayle. <laughs> yeah. Dan Quayle, whose, whose political career was, has been just rocking since that day. <laughs> well, he wrote a book. Everybody yeah, wrote everybody's <laughs> wrote a book. Limbaugh wrote two. Here's what here's what I find interesting. Neither though. more than about were about being hooked on painkillers, but he yeah. wrote two. Um, you know, this is it's kind of recent within the last you know I don't know six thousand years since the Earth was created. <laughs> um, you know, because prior to that, 
you know, we lived more in agrarian types, of, or not agrarian types of societies, but we lived more, you know, in tribal hunter gatherer societies. And and it wasn't until we started, you know, having crops and staying in one place that that our culture started to change. Prior to this, you know, the the tribes would, you know, multiple men and multiple women would be sleeping together, and that was really the norm. That was really what we were designed for. And this living in in groups like like we are now, that stay in one place and grow very large, and you know, mating one on one, is actually fairly new to us since the earth was created 6,000 years ago. <laughs> so, and, you know, though, I, I'm reading I, I'm reading a couple of books right now about this particular... I read um, uh, Sex at Dawn that, that talks a lot about this, and I'm also reading another book called The Mating Mind. So I'm reading a couple of evolutionary biology books right now um, that are pretty interesting that, that are talking about this very issue and how we how we've changed and we and, and, and we have changed from our the way that our our actual primal nature was and so it, it, i find it interesting that these guys always make the fallacy and make the make the conclusion that this is how we are supposed to be one-on-one married having children when it's not, saying we want you to be we want you to follow our morals right, right. yeah where that's not originally how our morals were, and make and doing that is actually kind of going against how we evolved. No, and not to say that, that it's okay for us to change that if if we want to for our society, but it, it's okay for other people to have other ways that they want to live and raise their kids. Absolutely, and Natalie Portman can afford to do pretty much whatever she wants <laughs> to raise her kids as long as she as long as she raises her kids to be good members of society. Well, and she's a very well-educated woman as well. So she, not only is she, uh, you know, a, a successful actress, she's also got a college degree. Um, in fact, does she have a? I, I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I mean, she's well, she's she educated. Doing, like, biology, and yeah, sciencey stuff, and yeah. So, and my yeah. understanding is that she's planning on pulling herself out of acting for a while to raise her kids. Well, she so has so. the Academy Award, so mm-hmm. yeah, she can justify that. <laughs> That's funny because but, what I took out of this was much more political in that he was he was talking about how most single women who are moms are very poor and uneducated and can't get a job, and so they wind up on government assistance, and yet conservative groups are always trying to limit poor people's access to family planning because they want to try and strengthen marriages and... <laughs> Uh, if, we, if we want to go political tonight, this one could take us into some interesting places. But. Yeah. Well, I could I could take the take on this that taking a poke at Natalie Portman was anti-Semitic. <laughs> there you go. Yep. But now the basic idea you started with is one that I definitely think reflects great with um, a lot of what we talk about is creating something to make a big deal over just to get your attention. We see that right. with the woo a lot. You know, and one of, the, one, of, one of the quotes on from him was, well, if you really under, want to understand what I meant, read my book. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> right. That's definitely a, a common thing. With I was taken out of context about Natalie Portman, but if you want to understand what I meant, read my book. Yeah. Right. Well, but then, you know, linking back is that obviously from a genetic, biological, imperative sort of standpoint – we have biological impetus to mate and have sex. People are going to be having sex, so if you don't want them having kids out of wedlock, there are safe sex practices to prevent pregnancy. Educate yep. them. 
Educate them and teach them not to be embarrassed by using condoms. Yeah. You know, I I know I took this in a a different direction than you guys were going with it, but I've been reading all these biological sex books. No, the direction you took goes hand in hand. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they kind of do. Yeah. But I I guess my question on this is not only is he trying to sell books, but is this him announcing that he wants to be president? Again. Yeah, again. You know what? Does he? I mean, maybe he does. You couldn't pay me to be president. You'd do it for free? Nope, not even that. <laughs> not even that. you got to be a sociopath, I think. I think there's only one man, maybe two men tough enough to be president. Clint or the governator. I say we change the laws, we let Arnie run. No, no. bad. <laughs> I just want to throw out there that, unfortunately, only one of our children was born out of wedlock. Unfortunately for the other two, they, they well, suffer. Well, but one of, two of them were conceived out of wedlock. That's one true. was born out. One was conceived out of wedlock, born in wedlock, and then the last one, poor thing. Yeah. Well, and you know what? We only got married for insurance purposes. Yeah. Yeah, well, same with me and my wife. <laughs> you know, I I think I should put this out there, because I remember on one of the episodes you mentioned that you don't know when our wedding anniversary is. Uh-oh. I don't remember when our wedding anniversary is. Score! Get the lotion. <laughs> Actually, I, I know that I mentioned that I couldn't remember what year we got married. Uh, and that cost me dearly because I dropped a damn iron on my foot trying to find the wedding certificate. <laughs> <laughs> Once more, just always ask me. I can tell you. Yours is the, an easy one to remember. Okay, what's mine? Uh, that I'd have to look up. I probably actually have it in my journal. You know, yeah. don't bother. I just yeah. have to we know what year it was because obviously I was pregnant with our second kid. Right. And I was and very you, pregnant. You, you was... know approximately what month. No, I'm not sure. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. It's not something but, that we've ever celebrated. Oh. I said Max Max wedding uh, got married when my son t- turned one year old. Yeah. So that makes yep. it the easiest. You know, I, I don't have to think about to know when his... I'm pretty sure, though, that your wedding anniversary, Brian, Jen, is Junetember the 35th. <laughs> Junetember. <laughs> actually, um, due to um, our wedding anniversary in 2009, I don't think I'll ever forget the date because I didn't realize that um, our what, um, anniversary could ever fall on Friday the 13th. But I never thought about that. Oh, and it did? So my and my wife were, born on, uh, were married on um, November 13th. Uh-huh. And all because of, it fell on a Friday the 13th one year when we had had one of the worst years ever. We were joking about it. Our 10th anniversary fell on Friday the 13th, and that year had just been a horrible year for us. And so we um, kind of make it, made a joke of that, saying, okay, that's why it happened. You know, our 10th anniversary being a Friday the 13th affected the whole year. Uh-huh. Okay, so, so now it sticks in my head. Okay. Yeah. All let, right. me, uh, let me bring up a couple more points. Oh, on sure, the heck. Why, why, why not? <laughs> just, just to throw this in here, I put in two articles about Huckabee and his and his pronouncement, mainly because the second one, the Vanity Fair article, I really liked some of the comments that came in there. And one of the things that was pretty pretty s- s- solid all the way through the comments was that the uh, unwed mothers reading this were really really angry at his pronouncements. Mm-hmm. Sure, they were really insulted, and uh, I think if he was going for women's support. I think that backfired on him. Well, they probably wouldn't vote Republican anyway, so there you go. So he didn't harm his uh, his credibility with his base. So I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> Making that up, but you know, it, it's interesting though that he would he would choose to critique somebody who's kind of in the public eye right now, so that he can get in the public eye himself. That's yeah, as bad as that's as dumb as 
you know, going after Angelina Jolie and all of her adopted children. Well, it's horrible that she's trying to help, you know, all those kids from Africa. Just terrible. Oh yeah, um, or that they're not all from Africa. No, okay, they're not all from Africa. Once again, I'm pulling that out of my ass. Yep. How how terrible of her want to want that? Actually, I think kids. she's got to collect one from each country, hasn't she? Is that what it is? It's like I think it's like Pokemon. <laughs> oh, is she gonna fight him later? <laughs> I'm not gonna speculate on okay, that. Okay, this is going in a very bad direction now, <laughs> and it's my fault. <laughs> 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 All right. Hey, does anybody else have anything else to add here? No. All right. I, I see that somebody found a, um, a Hannah Poling um, from Time Magazine. Has anybody read this, though? I did. I read through it. Oh, you did? Okay. Um, she's the one who got a an award from the courts. Right. She She's the one who's, whose father started Autism Rescue. Am I right about Am I making the right connection there? I have no idea. Generation Rescue. Generation Rescue. And I'm pretty sure that, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Um, I think that it, that it's her father that, that is responsible for that. Cause it's not Jenny McCarthy's site. She's just, you know, a member, I guess. She's just, she's just a proponent. (laughs) Now, I had thought that Jenny McCarthy was on 90210 at one point, but apparently that's not the case. Wasn't she? MTV isn't that where she really made her success uh, was there. I think so. Well, yeah. I thought it, I thought it was nine hundred two one zero though. I don't. I, no, I, I don't think so. Playboy. No. But um, she was on. I, I do seem to remember her being on MTV for. I don't remember her being on any actual shows. She had really. a sketch comedy show. Right, where her father was, what's his name, Tan Guy. And she's written some books that were popular, and a few that failed terribly too. <laughs> so, all right. Well, if there's nothing else, I'm gonna I'm gonna play us out. Okay. Okay. All right. So, uh, as usual, pipe us down, lad. Pipe us down. That's, that's right. Hey, and uh, also, you know, you can leave us feedback. Come see us on Facebook. Um, call our uh, call our number. Leave us a voicemail. Um, we we, we certainly uh, you know love to have people. Uh, um, well, we, we don't care. Tell, tell us. us, tell us yeah. Tell you can, you can tell us where it is. We are. Or tell us you love us. Whatever you want to do. We don't care. We just like the feedback. It means that, you know, that people care. Mm-hmm. Even if they care enough to tell us, you guys are idiots! Mm-hmm. Good night. Good night. Thank you Good for night. listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. For more information about the Amateur Skeptics, go to AmateurSkeptics.com. To send us feedback, suggestions, or big flaming insults, Feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website. You can leave a voicemail for the Amateur Skeptics Podcast at 720-295-7785. Music for this podcast was provided by OFM. To find out more about OFM, go to MySpace.com forward slash OFMHQ. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons No Derivatives 3.5 license. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. <laughs>